Hey, this is Mark. It's no surprise to many people listening to this podcast to hear that pharma is no longer at peak reputation. That moment came a year ago as the COVID-19 shots developed by drug makers like Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson started arriving in arms in record time and put the country back on the path to normalcy. The industry's reputational score has come down substantially since then, but its image is settling into a new normal, the latest data show, one that's much higher than it was pre-pandemic. Of those sectors like grocery, CPG, and financial services still outpace pharma and reputation, the gap is closing. And unlike pharma, these other industries are actually back below their pre-pandemic levels. This week on the podcast, how the farm industry, after its meteoric reputational rise, is settling into a new normal, and how the industry can continue to polish its image as the pandemic begins to fade. I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. We'll speak with Rob Yikielek, Managing Director of the Harris Poll, about Harris's newest reputational data, which quantifies this new normal, as well as where the aforementioned vaccine makers stand compared to their counterparts in other industries. We'll also get Rob's take on what strengths industry needs to lean into to sustain the momentum. Rob, how are you? Hi, Mark. Great to be here. It's always great to talk with you and the MMM audience. Absolutely. Likewise. I think the last time we spoke was uh, two years ago, which was the summer of uh, 2020. And uh, we were a few short months into the pandemic at that point and talking about how the industry was enjoying an unexpected reputational bump. Now you've got some, some new data that you just ran recently, hot off the press, very interesting insights in terms of what's happening with pharma versus other industries. Tell us what's the situation from a reputational perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'll take us back in time for a second and then really focus in on today. So I think it's it's really important to remember kind of the meteoric rise, right? So, I mean, when, when you look at where pharma's reputation was pre-COVID, so back to like January 2020, only about 30%, just over 30% of folks would say that it had a positive reputation. When, when you go to forward to May 2020 and vaccines are starting to roll out into the marketplace, you're seeing a doubling, right? Over 60% of, of the U.S. public would say the same thing. Where we are today is just kind of right in between those two, right? We would really, for, for the last couple uh, polling periods, so th since March of this year, what you're seeing is this really kind of steady state new normal starting to, to come into place right in that kind of like high 40s, low 50s range, which really is an impressive new normal. And uh, it's actually a really nice parallel to some of those leading brands that you're alluding to. So when you think of someone like Pfizer, they, you know, very similar in one of our annual studies on reputation, absolutely spiked last year. Right, we're kind of one of the most prominent visible companies, and and also one of the real kind of reputational darlings. So where they are today is it's down a fair bit from last year, but not near where where the company was pre-pandemic, right? So it's actually a really nice kind of parallel. A company like Moderna, they kind of popped uh, popped into the ranking out of nowhere, right? We don't actually pick the companies that go into that ranking; they're all kind of unaided, selected by by the U.S. public, and Moderna just popped onto the radar. Um, this year, they faded more in the background. And, uh, and that really is kind of the, the story, right? When you, when you look at settling into this normal, new normal, part of that has been around kind of fate of COVID, right? So as you know, call it COVID fatigue, call it the fact that most people that wanted to get vaccinated have been vaccinated just a little bit more in the background. 
right? That said, there are still kind of new vaccinations and, and new kind of approvals and emergency use authorizations coming through. There is still a lot of value and need in the marketplace. So there still is clarity around the value that pharma companies can provide. It's just that they're nowhere near the forefront of where they were. Um, you know, just as kind of inflation, as Ukraine really kind of jumped to the forefront of people's minds, COVID just isn't, it's still kind of a top three, top five. It's not just no longer a top one and, you know, double every other issue as it was about a year ago. Sure. And I was actually going to ask you, um, so thanks for bringing that up. How much of this sort of settling into the new normal, as you put it, is due to just the fact that COVID is fading into the background and other issues are taking precedence like the economy and the Ukraine war and how much of it is due to those other issues that pharma has traditionally been saddled by, which is other challenges like the, the political landscape, regulatory landscape, pricing, those old PR challenges that the industry has traditionally grappled with. Yeah, no, I mean, those, those are absolutely real challenges. Uh, and they continue to be there, but you can think of those as certainly when when you when you talk to the public, even when you talk to other stakeholders, when you talk to physicians, specialists, drug pricing is is obviously always a concern and an area of focus, right? How do you address it? You know, whether it's actual price or volatility of pricing or changes, but those are very much kind of like lightning rods that are still in the background versus something that's directly driving the points you made before and what we were a little bit talking about, like the the other issues are very much overwhelming, right? When, when you think of inflation in the economy, that is the number one most pressing kind of personal challenge for Americans, for their families. Ukraine is still very much top of mind when it comes to kind of broader existential threats and, and more around kind of just fear and anxiety, but it's very much at that existential level. The real reality that people are facing today, COVID's in the background because they're walking into the grocery store, they're going to, to the gas pump, and everything is way more than, than it used to be. And uh, that actually, that point is also very much, very much manifested in, in the most recent um, data. Like as we're looking at pharma reputation, we also look at a lot of other industries. Um, so although pharma is down from, from its peak of you know, May 11 last year, it's really settling into this new normal and kind of, again, high 40s, low 50s. Um, for a lot of other industries, even tech, which is a lot higher, that they've been plummeting, especially since early this year. Right. So um, tech has its own kind of issues. Uh, you know, again, there's good tech, there's bad tech in the minds of the U.S. public and for, for very clear reasons. Um, but for a lot of these other industries, so such as, you know, grocery or retail or consumer goods, you know, as things get, you know, um, a lot more expensive or equally important these days when you look at retail, you know, as sizes of things get smaller while the price doesn't change, people are starting to pick up on that stuff. Um, and it makes a difference, right? Especially if you know if you have a family, if you're if you're buying for two, four, six people, um, all that stuff adds up in a hurry, and that's that's very much front of mind. Um, while the pharma industry, again, just in the, is, has been a little bit more in the background, but kind of continues to roll forward, um, and and really kind of as, as we you know talked to up, you know off a little bit before, you know, there's just a, a different picture of who the pharma industry is today than than what it was in the past. Sure. Um, and, you know, just to put that picture in perspective, as you pointed out, uh, the farmer's reputation score was in the low 30s prior to uh, the, the pandemic. Uh, it rose steadily uh, over the ensuing year and it peaked uh, last May at 62 percent, according to uh, Harris poll data. And then over the last year, it's, it's slowly come down. And according to the, the very latest polling results, you have it around 47%, uh, which is a net of 15% since January of 2020. So this is that, that to put that new normal that the industry is settling into in, into numbers to quantify that. Yep. 
around around 50%, as you said. So um, now you've also included some uh, non-pharma healthcare companies, like some of the blues and some insurance companies in, in some of the other polling data you, yeah. you've, you've shared. How have they benefited from the COVID uptick? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So as you start looking at health insurance, it's, it's a very kind of unique industry. It's, it actually has seen some gains. They haven't been quite as big as pharma's, but they've been substantial. And as we've been running, both looking at industry trends, as well as company trends, the industry trend has been on the rise. As we're going back a year or two, insurance companies actually weren't as kind of prominent and top of mind. This year, we really saw a number of them pop, including uh, the Blues and, and United Health Group. Both A, they kind of qualified into the studies being much more highly salient, highly familiar, highly visible. And a lot of that kind of ties to just usage of benefits, right? So insurance is one of those things that, that often people buy and they don't, you know, they want to spend as little as possible because they don't really know exactly what they're getting, right? Other than getting, you know, some, some regular prescriptions and going for your annual physical over, especially over COVID, you saw a substantial uptick in both kind of a search for what benefits do I have, as well as a usage of those benefits for yourself, for your family, looking at more things that maybe are more around kind of just dealing with stress and anxiety, much more around kind of telehealth usage across a variety of different therapeutical areas. You've seen a, a huge uptick in, in a variety of different kind of digital distribution channels. All of these, those have caused kind of questions and interest from people with health insurance and figuring out like what's covered, what's not. How do I make things as easy as possible for myself, especially when you're working from home or, you know, you're trying to manage a lot of things out of your, uh, from that kind of paradigm. Sure. And to uh, hearken back once more to the last time we spoke back in 2020, you said you know, it was the biggest spike you had ever seen, referring to pharma's unexpected reputational gain in, in those few short months. Um, and at the time, you said it was because the pandemic gave pharma a more tangible way to present itself in an easier way for the public to understand its value versus the usual sales and, and marketing sort of reputation that a lot of people know it for. But as uh, the pandemic begins to, to tail off, I'm sure a lot of people are asking you this, but how does it sustain that momentum? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. It's a, as actually just as we were, as I've been thinking about that, his, that, that, that conversation, right. I think it's, what's really interesting is that during that time, you certainly have kind of the development of vaccines as being prototypical of what happened. But I think if you go back in time a little bit further and you're seeing a lot of pharma companies kind of visibly collaborating with each other, sharing a variety of different data to figure out like, you know, what are some of the, the potential candidates where, how do we get things moving faster? As COVID vaccines were being developed, you had the whole kind of vaccine pledge, uh, which really did resonate with the public. You had almost 70% of the public who were aware of it at the time. And it was really that, like the idea of kind of how do you reduce or remove politics from the decision-making process, especially around kind of, you know, vaccines coming to the market at a time very close to elections and things like that, right? Um, but what, one of the big things you saw is just during that period, you, you, this heavy emphasis on kind of science first, right? And uh, the, the very clear kind of archetype of, of a scientist emerging. Um, historically, you know, the industry has been maybe seen as a little bit more opaque by the U.S. public. They didn't really quite get it. And then they would just see a lot of advertising. And in their mind, they're thinking about pricing and sales. And it's, you know, more of the archetype of kind of like a businessman or a sales rep versus a scientist, right? What the industry has done a fantastic job of doing thus far is really sustaining that archetype of the scientist and having that really kind of the, the front facing perspective in a very tangible, uh, tangible and meaningful way for, uh, for the public and beyond. 
Sure, which, which is important because the industry's political, regulatory, and, and PR challenges haven't exactly vanished. So this new archetype, as you put it, of that scientist working 24-7, whether it's to create a lifetime, once-in-a-lifetime cure, or to, you know, uh, in unprecedented fashion, collaborate with, with you know, other companies on important therapeutics is a, is a good alternative to keep the momentum going. What does your research suggest specifically that the industry should lean into, you know, kind of, uh, you know, some of the other themes that you're often asked that the industry can use to uh, kind of keep, keep the good times going from a reputational standpoint. Yeah. I mean, reputation is, uh, you know, it's hard to, to grab if you will, but once you get it and you're, you're able to kind of, put tangible hooks into people's minds, it really does stick. And the, the, the two kind of basics of it in general, right? And this is very clear for, for the, for the farm industry and in healthcare is you need to be able to balance kind of like directly, how is your business creating value for society? And then also kind of who are you, what do you stand for? What's, what's the character of your organization? And the, the, the two simplest kind of core trends we've been seeing around pharma and some of these kind of touch on healthcare a little bit, you know, first and foremost, it's really being able to continue to showcase the momentum behind breakthrough innovations. Right. So, you know, as, as you think of, as you're thinking of different therapeutic areas, oncology definitely comes front of mind where you, where you have, when you think of immunotherapy, CART-T, there's just so much happening right now that is very high impact. Um, again, that's not for every pharma company, but it's a good example. Like when you think of the industry and the industry really showcasing its value, those are the kinds of things that can stick. And right now the U S aperture is broader for those kinds of things than it ever has been. In many cases, historically, when pharma had a bad reputation, all that stuff just kind of like whizzes by above you to the side. It doesn't really hit you right between the eyes. Now people's aperture is a lot more open to it. Um, how, how long will that aperture stay up? And that's, you know, TBD, if you will. Um, and then the second part of it very much is, and this is beyond pharma, but where you'd imagine pharma can play a very big role is, is really addressing in very tangible ways, things like racial inequities, in particular, when you think of health equity. Right, you know, really being able to to serve populations that have been historically disadvantaged, providing access for not even just access, right? Just being part of the the, the solution around enabling better ways for for communities to be able to understand what kind of issues they're facing, and then obviously address those health issues. And you know, it's a huge deal in America today, huge deal in many markets. It's probably like again, the racial inequity is a very kind of U.S. centered thing right now, but it's you know has a lot of global paradigms in a core place where pharma companies can absolutely showcase a lot of value. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every conversation, uh, almost every conversation that uh, I'm involved in as well mentions that health equity lens. Uh, and uh, you're right. The industry is, is very well positioned to really make an impact there. So that, that would be uh, the smart place to place its resources going forward. In addition to obviously continuing with the life-changing, you know, scientific breakthroughs that, that it's known for, and then it's also well positioned to continue. Absolutely. All right, Rob, uh, thanks so much for joining us again. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Mark, great talking to you again and hope to talk soon. Likewise. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.